Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. Glad you could join us today. We are in our uh, righteousness series that we're teaching. I'm getting more blessed as I look at it each and every day and study it and uh, want to share it with you. And, uh, you know, I think it's the duty of every Christian to, to in their lifetime on this earth, the, every moment we have, every opportunity we have is to feel uh, the earth with the knowledge of the glory of God. That's going to happen one day. The Bible says in Habakkuk 2.14, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That means that's going to happen one day, that the earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the, as the, sea, as the, as the waters cover the sea. And how many of you know the waters cover the sea completely? And the knowledge of the glory of God is going to cover the earth completely. And that's going to happen one day. But everything that's going to happen one day, we are right now living in, the, in, in a portion of that. It can be happening in a, in, a, in a portion in our lives. So whatever is going to happen one day for Israel, the promises of Israel are happening now to some degree for the church. And I'm part of the church. You're part of the church. And we ought to be excited about that, that we've been saved and we've, come, we've been given the knowledge of Christ. And, and it's our duty, our responsibility, our uh, blessing and honor and obligation to share the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go, every opportunity we have on social media, on the job, in the classroom, in the pulpit. And everywhere you go is a pulpit. You don't need a wooden box sitting up in front of a church. The pulpit is wherever you are. And so if you're full of the Spirit of God and you're learning the Word of God, uh, then you're going to be found sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm excited about that, this righteousness series. You know, I, I, I ran across some notes and uh, 2015 is when I really began to talk about righteousness. And it's amazing when you look back from 2015 up until now, four years later, and we're still talking about the righteousness of God. And the Lord is revealing to me that everything He does is righteousness. Everything He says is in righteousness. And that's something He's trying to get us to see, to understand, and to live according to. And I believe that's why sometime back He gave us the illumination of His Word. He turned the light really on brighter about Proverbs 8 and 8 that tells us all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. They're not, they, you know, people wonder, what's the context of the Bible? That's just your interpretation, and they have their interpretation. And, you know, we can't really trust the Bible because everybody's got their own interpretation. Here's the reality. The context of the Bible, the interpretation of the Bible, the Bible tells us what that context is, what that interpretation is. Jesus, who is our Lord of righteousness, said the scriptures were about him. And because he's our Lord of righteousness, our way of righteousness, that way being through the cross, then uh, every word he's ever spoken, God has ever spoken, is in that righteousness. And that, that's an amazing find right there. There are preachers who are claiming to be preachers of the cross who still make comments that there's more in the Bible than the cross. And, they, and I understand that place of ignorance, and I did not say stupidity, I said ignorance. It means they just don't know that the only avenue of righteousness is the cross of Christ, Jesus and what He there did. That's the only avenue of any of God's righteousness. And therefore, if all God's words are in righteousness, we have to see every word through the blood or the understanding cannot come. You won't have it. You can think you understand the word, but you do not have the understanding God gives because Proverbs 2.6 says, The Lord gives wisdom. Out of His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So only through the word in its righteous context can you and I have understanding. Amen, Brother Curtis. Amen. Amen. So uh, if you... Uh, uh, miss any of these teachings and you happen to be watching this one, uh, know that you can go to the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, and find everything we do here at Crossway Church all uploaded there for you. Here comes the best part. It's free. 
There's no charge. If you're paying your internet bill, you can watch the teaching, preaching that comes from Crossway Church, which is a determined ministry to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified. A lot of people don't care anything about that, but neither did they in Noah's day, but thank God for you, you're tuned in. The website is thecrosswaychurch.com where you can donate and also find the, the messages and the teachings there. And don't forget to pray for our church plant uh, in Wichita Falls, Texas. We're meeting there one weekend a month, that being the second weekend every month on Friday night at 7 and Saturday mornings from 10 till noon we teach. And it is at 4217 Kemp Boulevard at the Hampton Inn right there in Wichita Falls. Great place for a local church. Pray with us. We need a pastor in that church. And he will have to be as cross-eyed as we are for him to be planted there because we, we don't want just somebody uh, that claims they're a preacher. We want, we want somebody that preaches what the Apostle Paul preached. Amen. Amen. And one last announcement, October the 24th through the 27th. Go ahead and put it on your calendars. Don't let anything push it away. Uh, get in front of it or have priority over it. It is our determined camp meeting, which will begin Thursday night through Sunday morning. Uh, we've got 13 ministers coming in this year. Uh, there will be something going on in this studio two or three different times while there's something going on in the church. So you won't get to hear from everybody. You'll get to hear some and some you'll have to watch the DVD or CD later. So praise God. We've, and and up to, I, nobody's told me they were not coming. So I'm expecting all of them. Praise God. Let's jump in the scripture this morning. This is part four of our righteousness teaching. Uh, and this is the fifth day of April and here in 2019. I like adding that so we'll know where we are if you're watching it down the road somewhere. And uh, the prophet Isaiah speaks this in, in chapter 46, verses 9 through 13. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. He says, I'm God, and there's not another God. I'm God and there's no one like me. Now that's, that's a profound statement. There's only one God and there's none like him. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Now let's talk about that for a minute. Don't want to get here hung up too long here, but God... The reason you and I can trust the God of the Bible is because He's the only God. And there's none like Him. And to top that all off, He has declared all that will be from the very beginning. He's the only one that can. No one else can do that. A lot of men stand up and claim they've got this God and they worship that God and, and they can testify and try to prophesy of things to come, but they're all wrong. They're all wrong. See, what, may, what allows us to trust the God of the Bible is that He told us what was going to happen at the end from the very beginning. Amen. Nobody can do that but God. And you know what I was thinking yesterday, and I shared a little bit of this Wednesday night. This God we serve, the God of the Bible, the God who created all things, who the earth belongs to, and all there is within... And again, it's our responsibility to fill this earth that belongs to the Lord with His knowledge. It's our duty. That's why we preach, teach. Every chance we get, we share on social media. But Wednesday night, we talked a little bit about this awesome God that we serve. A trillion, think about this, a trillion years, what would be years to us ago, God was and God knew everything at that time that he would ever do. God has never had a meeting in the Godhead. God has never had a meeting in the Godhead. Let's get together, Son, Word, and Holy Spirit, and let's try to figure out how we're going to do this. When we, when we, think, when we say God's plans, God, it doesn't mean he sat down and planned it out. That means he already knows everything. God ne has never had a meeting with himself. He already knows everything. And a trillion, get this, a trillion what we call years to us from now, God is already there. And it's already done. 
That's how he can make known the end from the beginning because to him, it's already done. Think about that. But yet it still has to be manifest and he still wants to be a part of it. See, that's good. He's not a God that knows everything and because he knows everything, he just takes his easy, easy chair and goes back to whatever. No, he's, you know, he knows everything that's going to happen yet he still gets involved. We need to, we need to uh, have, you know, be concerned. We need to notice that, that just because you think you have heard something or you know something doesn't mean you don't need to be involved in what God's doing. The works were finished, the Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 3, from the foundation of the world. Yet Jesus shows up and says, it's finished, the work of God. Well, was it finished then or is it finished then? We're talking about the mind of God, the plan of God, that he made known the end from the beginning. It was finished from the beginning. Jesus showed up, did the work, manifest. It is finished. Amen. That's good. But we, he still had to show up and do the work. We still had to be born and believe to get in. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So th- he says he declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done. God's declaring today things that are not yet done. Right, right. Yeah. My ca- saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Now, in verse 11, he begins to speak about King Cyrus and what he's going to do, call him as a ravenous bird from the east, and, the man, and that man is going to execute my counsel from a far country. Yeah, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Now, let's, and, and we're going somewhere with this. We're talking about righteousness. We're going to get there, but watch this. He says, Uh, he's talking about my counsel shall stand. I will do all my pleasure. Who will? He doesn't say you will. He says I will do all my pleasure. Then he says, here's how I'll do it. I'll call a ravenous ravenous bird from the east. He's talking about King Cyrus. Because he says, the man that executes my counsel from a far country. Yes, listen to what God says. I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it and I will do it. Now that's amazing, but we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of what God has spoken, what God has what he's bringing to pass, what he's purposed and what he's doing. That really is the ultimate picture of God's grace. God, but now King Cyrus, that's a different story because God even uses the devil. God used Pharaoh. But God using us is because he dwells within us. Others, he just hooks them by the nose and takes them where he wants them. See, he don't do that to us. He leads us by his spirit that dwells within us. Others, he hooks by the nose and he puts them where, they want, where he wants them for his own purpose, just like he did Pharaoh. Pharaoh wasn't a God and Pharaoh learned he wasn't a God. Even if it was through death... Because at death you realize, man, I ain't been no God. So then he goes on here. Watch this now. Verse 12, Isaiah 46. Hearken unto me. Well, you got to stop right there. Wait a minute. That God's saying, listen to me. Hear my word. Get that. Don't ever forget that. And I said it Wednesday night. The word of God has got to be the premier in your life. Without it, you can't live because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Listen, you have got to love the Word of God. His name is Jesus. You can't separate the person of Jesus from the Word of God. He came to fulfill the law, which is God's Word, not just Ten Commandments. He says, uh, Hearken unto me, you stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness. Far from righteousness. Why? How are they far from God's righteousness? Because they won't listen to God's word. Notice and remember this. It's not in my notes. You can put it in yours. The Bible calls Noah a preacher of righteousness. But the people in his day didn't want anything to do with God's righteousness, which is by faith of the Redeemer. And I'm sure the people of Noah's day thought they were righteous before God. Cain, Cain got schooled by God that he wasn't. 
accepted because he didn't bring the right sacrifice. And the people of Noah's day would not believe the message of a Redeemer through faith in the sacrifice. Therefore, they were all washed away in a flood. And it's going to happen again on a major scale. Again, they're going to be washed away by the wrath of God. Jesus said, when I come, it's going to be as the days of Noah. Many are going to be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Well, there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking and marrying folk and giving in marriage and all that stuff. But the point there is they're not going to give one iota about the righteousness of God because they are stout-hearted. Stout against the things of God. Even if they're using God's word, if it's not in its righteous context, which means faith through the cross of Christ, their hearts are stout against God. That's why I don't go around saying, well, I know they love God because you have to love God by faith. And if your faith is not right, that faith works by love. And if, you, if your faith is not in the sacrifice, that love for God is, a, is not the love that Christians have for God. It's a love that anybody can have for each other. Well, that'll make somebody mad right there. He's trying to tell me I don't love God. No, I'm trying to tell you the facts. You love God by faith. And faith works by love, and that love is what God did in Christ at Calvary for you. Faith not in that removes us from being able to be really in fellowship with God. And if you're not in fellowship with God, even though you think you are, you're you're not experiencing the love that you could be experiencing because that is only experienced by faith, and there's only one faith. Everybody don't have no bunch of different faith. It's the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ that loved us and gave himself for us. So I know that's a little tough this morning, but we are where we are in the church today and things have to be said. Things need to be talked about because if we don't, people are going to stay in their, in their unbelief, their stout-heartedness against God and not know it. I don't want to be responsible one day for not revealing what God is revealing to me to the people. And if God's revealing something to you, you're going to be able to show them in the Word of God. You, don't give me that stuff about God told me something, but I can't show you in the Word. Eh, get out. I don't have ears for you. I don't have ears for you. God told me this and God told me that. If, it's ta- if you're talking about righteousness, being able to be righteous before God, being able to bear the fruits of righteousness before God. Don't talk to me if you're saying God told you something outside the word. God may promise you something about a loved one. God may promise you something else, but you better even be careful with that because I've dealt with people who went through major, major heartbreaking hard times because they thought God had told them something and it turned out God didn't tell them that and the manifestation happened that it was obvious He didn't tell them that. So you better be careful with even that. Stick with the Word of God. It is a more sure word of prophecy. Sometimes, I, sometimes we want to see something so bad and we know that it is God's will what we want to see so bad, but you better be careful. You better be careful saying God told me. Amen, Brother Curtis. <clears throat> turn me off now or turn me up because it's getting good. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Watch this. Uh-oh. Time for a drink. Hearken unto me, verse 12, you stout-hearted that are far from righteousness. Now, you, you, you need to really pay attention to scriptures like that. They're far from him. Their hearts are far from him. Stout-hearted. See, it's always a matter of the heart with God. Because Romans 10, 10 tells us it's with the heart man believes unto the Lord. I saw a scripture this morning. I believe it's in Proverbs 20 in my study in Proverbs. I'm studying Proverbs, uh, Timothy, and righteousness, and I'm trying to get it all while I can. Glory to God. (laughs) And in Proverbs 20, it talks about the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. So that lets me know that the spirit of man, it talks about how, how God deals with man by that spirit. 
Now think about that. So that proves that the spirit and the soul are tied to the heart. And we know that because when the Bible talks about believing with the heart under righteousness, that's not talking about this thing in us pumping blood. It's talking about your soul and your spirit with who you are at, you, at your core, what makes you who you are. And, and it, it's that spirit that you have that is the lamp of the Lord. And that's how he deals with us by heart. So when God here says, Hearken unto me, you stout-hearted. Because it's with the heart, you're either believing unto righteousness, meaning you're having faith in God's word, or you're resisting what God has said that are far from righteousness. See how God ties together here, for those who have ears to hear, uh, those who are hearing by true faith, it comes by hearing the word of God, they're hearing in righteousness. And their hearts are humbled because their faith is in the Redeemer through the sacrifice. That's the only humbling grounds that exist. There, there's no other place that you're humble before God except the same avenue that Christ was humble. And that means through the cross. Remember, He is our representative man. He is the last Adam that showed us the way in which God could be pleased in a man. And that is by being humble, accepting the way of the sacrifice as the way of God in Christ. And that is the avenue by which grace brings righteousness to us. Quoting the word won't get it to you. Uh, saying you believe scripture out of context, out of its righteous context, won't, doesn't mean that you're not stout-hearted. Stout-heartedness is removed through humility, but humility always gets grace. That proves humility is always a matter of going to God through way of the cross. Think about that. Only the humble get grace, and only those who have their faith in the cross get grace. So faith in the sacrifice of Christ is tied to humility. Well-mannered people don't mean they're humble. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Let me get that door for you, ma'am. Oh, that's such a humble young man. No, he's a well-mannered, nice young man. In our eyes, we may call him humble, but God's, we better see things the way God sees things. Remember what he said about Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. So watch this. He says, hearken unto me, you stout-hearted that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry. I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Think about this. This is, what, this is a promise God's given to Israel. One day it's going to happen. But until that day happens, we're living in a church age. And the Bible, even in the Old Covenant, talks about the Gentiles being brought in, Jesus being a light unto the Gentiles. Romans chapter 11 talks about through their unbelief, we were grafted in, we the church, we in this age that Israel is asleep and rejecting the Lord as a whole and won't accept him till Jesus comes back, lands on the mountain, it splits, he saves the remnant and destroys those that are attacking his people. At that point, a point they'll ask him, what are those wounds or your holes in your hands, your side, and he'll say, I was wounded in the house of my friends, my brothers. And they will accept him as their Messiah at that point in time. But until then, right now, many of the promises that are for them are being experienced by us because his righteousness has come near us. And even in this reformation that we're in right now, this second reformation, I'm going to mention it till I'm no longer here to talk about it, that where Martin Luther, God illuminated the scriptures to him about, we're justified by faith. Sorry, we're not justified by what we do. Now, 500 years later, my Lord, couldn't it come quicker? And we say, why does God wait so long? Here's why. 
Because God has to find somebody who's broken and beat down and done been through the ringer and beat down by law and works and religion before he can finally show them, get them to a place where they'll accept the way of the cross is for everything. Not just to get us saved, but to even hear the word properly and to walk and live and function by faith alone in Christ. Not by faith in the cross and the purpose driven, the government of 12 and the walk of Emmaus and all the things that we bring in to nullify grace, to to deny, to frustrate the grace of God. Listen, all those things do just that. The cross alone gives us grace that brings righteousness. Let's look at that this morning. I don't know if we have, but if we have, we will again. This is very important in Galatians 2.21. You know, I, I was reading something about the Apostle Paul for all who really don't give him much uh, credence today or, or they don't look at really what he says today and some people are even ripping out the pages of Romans saying Paul needed to have what we have today and, they, and really those people are stout-hearted. Yes. They're stout-hearted because Paul is the one the Lord used to bring forth the revelation of the avenue through which grace and righteousness comes alone. And watch this. In Galatians 2.21, Paul writes this, I do not frustrate or deny. that this, this word frustrate means deny or set aside the grace of God. Now, I don't know about you, but here at Crossway Church, the Lord has revealed to us a very simple thing, yet profound, that the grace of God is God doing something that you cannot do, you cannot earn, you don't deserve. Let me say it again. God's grace is God doing something you cannot do, you don't deserve, you cannot earn. It only, you only have the experience of God's grace through faith. And not just any faith. Faith that brings This grace, God working in your life, through your life, is the faith of Jesus Christ and what he did for you at Calvary. Paul said that. Look back a verse before in Galatians 2.20. And what does it say? I'm crucified. Don't say I was. It says I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live right now in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live because the faith, Jesus, the grace he lived by through faith that took him to Calvary. And our, and I want to say this today, and we need to start rolling into this type of of, 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 uh, wordology. We need these things. Faith in God is believing from the heart unto righteousness. Faith in the Lord is believing with the heart under righteousness. And that's why we must understand God's word through the cross, through the sacrifice of Christ in its righteous context or we're not believing unto righteousness. That means our faith is not in God. No, I didn't say you had to get up and be able to theologically explain this, but you have to know this. You have to know this. That your heart is stout against God if your faith is not in the sacrifice alone. Because, listen, if my faith is not in the sacrifice alone, then I think, I still think I can play a part in my salvation. I can earn what God wants to do in my life. I can earn, I can make God come and work in my life today, and I can't do that. The word of faith pretty much teaches, bottom line, they can command God. Last time I looked, Jesus is the captain and the commander of my salvation. I'm just a little private in the army of God and I'm not shouting executions and commandments from the back row. I'm just following the leader, staying in rank. Amen. Amen. So it's the same thing Believing with the heart under righteousness, God sees that as faith in Christ and what he did at Calvary. Faith in God. There is no such thing as faith in God without faith in Christ and his sacrificial work. Ask, ask Cain. 
Now, I hope you never get the opportunity to. <laughs> but Cain got cast out because he, because he was rejected. He wouldn't bring the right sacrifice that Abel did believe God to bring and it was counted unto him for righteousness. He was righteous before God. Cain was not. He was stout-hearted. Doesn't matter if he was nice and polite. We don't know how Cain was. He got plum bitter. The Bible says he killed his brother because his works were evil. His works were evil. What works did he have? Listen, think about that. Abel's works appearing to God, Abel's works were those of righteousness because he brought the sacrifice. That's the only avenue of grace, which is what God will do and declare over your life. For it ain't you're righteous because of your faith. You're obedient. You're justified. Now I can work in you and through you to bring forth my righteousness. Because without faith in the sacrifice today, you can't bring forth any fruits of Christ who is our righteousness. He said that. You can't do a thing. You can't do no thing. Nothing without me. You can do nothing without me. And he was talking about bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. You can bear no fruit at all without him. That simply means without faith in who he is as redeemer and what he did for you there at the cross. So watch this in Galatians 2.21. I do not frustrate. That means I do not reject, set aside, deny what God wants to do in my life. I'm not going to reject what God did in Christ at Calvary. He says, Because if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Notice in this one verse, the avenue for righteousness is grace and the avenue, only avenue for grace is the death of Jesus. Why is that? Because Jesus, get this, Jesus, the Son of God, the last Adam, coming as the Lamb of God to live by grace, to taste death by the grace of God for all men. Hebrews 2 and 9 By the grace of God He tasted death for all men by, through faith for us at Calvary. That's the only place grace comes from. Think about this this morning. Now this is, this is kindergarten, even though it may be things people had never given much thought. But if you go to the throne of grace to get grace in your time of need... And because we know now God's grace is what God does and He does everything He does through our faith in what His Son did. If our faith is not in the work of Christ at Calvary, then that means, that means we have denied. We have set aside. Even though we may have tears and we may be in a worship service, but if our faith is not in the cross and we go to the throne of grace, we're not going to leave there with what we needed because God's grace is what God does. So if I go to the throne of grace in my time of need to get grace and mercy in my desperate time of need, if I'm going to get grace, that means... And I better know this. I'm going to get the word of instruction, the word of direction, the word of correction. I'm going to get what God wants to do in and through my life because that's what grace is. I'm going to God. I'm going to His throne of grace to get grace. That means I'm going to get the plan of God. I'm not going to get what I want. I'm going to get what He desires for me. For it's His counsel I want to see taking place in my life. And yes, I do have needs. Lord, I hadn't eaten. and I'm using this as an example. You can tell I've eaten. Lord, I hadn't eaten in four days. Lord, I need you to work a miracle. I need to eat. God already knows you need to eat. God knows everything. He's not blind. Oh, he, he doesn't ever say, oh, excuse me, I was napping. I'm sorry. I, I, oh, I'm sorry I've let you go without eating. I, I wish I'd have known that four days ago. God knows you hadn't eaten in four days. God knows you're not going to eat for another three on top of that. But oh, after seven, and I'm using this as an example, don't go write a book. 
But when we, we better know that when we go to God's throne of grace to get grace, we're, we're, we need to know this. We're going to get God's purpose, God's counsel, God's direction. I'm not taking what I want. God, you know that woman. God, that man. God, and it's, You need to talk to God about all your situations. But what you better leave with is a word from the Lord. You better leave because that's what he's going to give you when you go to him. He's not going to give you a good rub down and, oh, I feel good now, glory. I feel. No, when you go to God, God gives you a word. And it is. it could be, Gladys, to remind you, you are righteous in my son. But he will also not only remind you of who you are in Christ, and who Christ is in you, and he's greater than all that that's coming against you, but he will also give you direction that you need. That direction is direction he can work in. You went to get grace. Grace is what God's going to do, not what you're going to do. Four years ago or thereabouts, let me see, I know it's been almost six years ago, the Lord instructed me to start praying on Monday nights at the church. And this is what he told me. He said, pray, start meeting on Monday nights to pray, to seek me for what I will do. And I thought, that's weird. You know, usually the Lord says, seek me for what I want you to do. But he told me, you seek me for what I will do, and when you find what I'm doing, you follow me. That's what he told me six years almost ago at the end, that September, I think, in 2013. And it was right when think, we, we were losing elders and we, we were all, I mean, we were still just, we were preaching the message, but, but you can be preaching the message. I'm telling you, believe in the message. That don't mean you're eliminated from uh, people issues. It don't mean you're, it means you're going to have more of them. So don't come in if you ain't ready. <laughs> But you're going to be blessed. Amen. So Paul says here, I do not frustrate. I'm not going to set aside the grace of God. I'm not going to deny God to work in my life. And the only way that I don't deny the grace of God, that I don't set it aside, that I don't frustrate it, is keep my faith in the death of Jesus. Don't let it be moved. This is what brought Paul by the Spirit of God to a place where Paul said, Look, I, listen, just hear me now. I'm determined not to know anything else but Christ and Him crucified. Because He finally was led by the Spirit to the point under attack by every, every false doctrine, all the everything everywhere He went from those that were God's people to those that were just... Everything was coming against Paul. And, and finally He just said, You know what? I'm determined to know nothing else. Nothing. I'm only going to boast in the cross. I'm not boasting in nothing else. Well, God's the one that brought him to that place because God was revealing to Paul, I only work in this avenue. This is the only place I offer my strength. I believe Paul had a revelation of that when he asked, Lord, take this thorn out of Take it away, Lord. It's killing me. It's hurting me. It's, I, three times he asked the Lord, said, listen, my grace... What I'm doing in your life is sufficient. Paul, Paul knew more about grace than just the word grace and all the acronyms that people make up with G-R-A-C-E. Paul knew that God's grace was what God did in Christ at Calvary and that it only flowed from there. And if I wanted to keep God working in my life on my behalf, strengthening me, encouraging me, blessing me, I have to keep my faith in that sacrifice of Christ. And if I don't, then I move myself. Paul called it to the church in Galatia, Falling from grace, a place really where we're now frustrating, denying, and rejecting God's grace. Setting it aside. But yet we're in church, boy, singing the high praises of God, not knowing that we're not even in a place where God can function. Think about that. It's pretty powerful. Now I've said some of these things, but I'm going to make sure we, we get it. All God's grace is what God is doing in, for, to, and through us that we cannot do ourselves and that we cannot earn nor do we deserve. God's righteousness is the only means by which man's self-righteousness, 
and all unrighteousness is removed and this takes place only by grace through faith in the cross of Christ. Not what we do, what He did. Proverbs 12, 17, another paramount scripture for those of us who God is bringing back to our first love, our first works. Proverbs 12, 17 says this, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness, deceit. Now deceit is something that has an appearance of being right, but it's not. The greatest example of that is using God's word that is right. Psalms 33, 4, the word of the Lord is right. God's word has a great, uh, it has a great appearance of that which is right. Why? Because God said it and it is right. Think about that. God's word, the, the word of the Lord is right. That's in your Bibles. If your Bible don't say that, you need to get you the, the right version that does. Because Psalms 33, 4 says, The word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Yep, yep. Write it down. Don't be mad at Brother Curtis. Go write it down. You can be mad at God. Psalms 33, 4, For the word of the Lord is right. I'm not right. You're not right. They're not right. The word of the Lord is right. And all, it, this all in one verse. And all his works, the Lord's works, are in truth, in the truth of his word that is right. But we can be using God's word out of its truthful context, out of its righteous context. And the Bible says those that do that in Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against their ungodliness and unrighteousness. And that's the way God sees their fruit if their faith is not in the cross. God, God don't consider your works righteous if your faith is not in the cross because it takes Him working in your life. That's called grace. And grace is the only avenue of righteousness. Not just your initial status, but your fruits. Without grace, there's no experience of daily fruits of righteousness and it takes faith in the sacrifice. Everybody good this morning? I'll give you an opportunity to hit me after church, after study. So watch this now. This is a paramount scripture for those who have ears to hear in these last days where the Lord is pouring out the knowledge and the, and the illumination of His Word in Christ. He's, listen. If you're using God's Word to have a bigger portrait painted of anything than Christ, you're using it out of context. Christ is the ultimate portrait that God has painted through the ages with His Word. Christ. Learn Christ. Grow in Christ's knowledge. Grow in His grace. His grace. What He did at Calvary. That's where we're told to grow in. Amen. So watch this, Proverbs 12 and 17. He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness, but a false witness deceit. A false witness uses God's word to point to money, to point to everything but the cross. And it may sound right, but God has been so good to us. Several times in the Proverbs he says there is a way that seems right unto man, but the end of that way is death. It means separation. You and I, born again, blood-bought on our way to heaven, but if we're using God's Word out of context, we're out of fellowship. What we're believing is not what, in the context God has said it. I can't just read that, that Noah opened, uh, God opened the Red Sea for Moses and go out there and stand at the lake and say, God, open it. I want to get to the other side. I just declare we're going to the other side. That's foolishness. That story is in the Bible to represent a coming Savior that can open any sea that's keeping you from living and experiencing the will of God for, you, for your life. That don't mean everybody's going to have a Red Sea, but everybody is going to have some kind of Red Sea experience. A Goliath experience and Jesus, the victory afforded all them people in the old covenant was all because of a coming Savior that would be the fulfillment of redemption. All those things were just types and shadows of a coming Redeemer. So let me say it again. The Bible should be painting a bigger, brighter picture of Christ 
Because that's what God has painted through the ages. He started with the promise in the Garden of Eden based on a foundation he'd already laid before he ever got started with the earth and its people he created. The foundation was already laid. And then all through the ages he spoke by the prophets. Jesus said was concerning him. And just the picture got brighter and brighter and brighter until he said... I am the bread from heaven. I am the light of the world. Here I am. I'm here. That's what what Jesus meant when he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. That means he showed up and he filled it up in revelation with himself. I am the one that was, Isaiah said, would be born of a virgin. And all the prophecies you can find about Jesus, he filled the scriptures up with himself. Because He is the living Word. So, I mean, every Bible study, every church service, everything, we ought to not uh, sh- uh, leave shouting about who the church, and we ought to be leaving shouting about Jesus. All praise and worship and glory and honor is to Him. Amen. And the picture should be coming brighter. We're told to grow in His knowledge, grow in His grace. And those things can only happen through our faith in the avenue which God offered us His knowledge and God offered us His grace. Not just initially, but every day of your life. Watch this now. We're not leaving. Proverbs 12 and 17, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. Now I've taught this over the last three or four years. You've heard it many times. You'll keep hearing it and hopefully those of you who are watching will begin to share this. Listen, this is how we know who the false prophets are. This is also know how we can bear witness if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's just the flesh or the devil trying to, trying to twist Scripture to get us in a place of unrighteousness because the last thing he wants for us is to bear the fruit of Christ. That's the last thing he wants out of the church is for us to be able to bear forth the fruits of righteousness that crushed his head and took his power away. Amen. Amen. So you can know it's the Spirit of God and you can know who the true ministers are in these last days by their fruits. Fruits. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is only going to speak truth when he comes. He's going to reveal the truth. Who's the truth? He said, He is. That means he's going, to t- he's going to speak to you that which is of mine, Jesus said. He's the truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. That means he's only going to speak things that are truthful to you. That means according to the word so that God can work all that he works in the truth that you're being taught by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit won't work anything in your life that he's not teaching you. You understand that? He teaches you. He's trying to reveal things to you, the truth, so that he can work that truth into you and that truth can be manifest through you and that is the fruit of righteousness. The fruit of truth is righteousness. The fruit of who Jesus is is righteousness to us. You have to be righteous to get into heaven. You can't, ain't nobody going to heaven that ain't righteous. But we are righteous because we're in the righteous one. Amen. So this is, again, this is a paramount scripture for, and I know people hear this, well, the whole Bible is truth. Yes, the whole Bible is truth if it's being held and presented in the context of the man who said, I am the truth. Preachers that come along and say, all I see is money in the Bible. You better run from them. They are con men. I don't care how many tears they cry, how many handkerchiefs they wave. That's all a part of the deceitfulness. The hypnotists that come through emotions and feelings and they distort God's word. Remember, a false witness uses God's word in a deceitful manner. That means they declare the word and God kept me up all night. I didn't get any sleep last night. And I mean, the people are hypnotized by that kind of stuff. And God didn't let me sleep at all just because he loves you. And all that mess out there, that is not the anointing. The Bible says the anointing is truth. 
That means it's the truth that breaks the yokes. And boy, that, when the preacher says, pull your hanky out, they lost my attention. Because, and a preacher that gets in the pulpit and starts telling jokes all the time, they lose my attention. You can know who, if it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you because He speaks truth. Watch this. The fruit of truth is righteousness. It's right there in your Bible. He that speaks truth shows forth. If somebody's speaking truth to you, that means they're pointing you to Calvary because righteousness, the fruit of righteousness only comes through grace. And grace is not an automatic thing just because you're a Christian. Grace is through your continued, maintained faith in the only object God's ever given humanity to have Him working in our lives. To do what His purpose calls for, not mine and yours. Too many times we've made this life about our purpose. I'll go to church if I have time to go. I'm a busy man. I, you know, I'll, 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 I'm not even getting into that. God help them all. Help us all. Now, one more thing before we close. We've got about nine minutes left. Let's look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. And by the way, you don't want to miss next week. See, I'm already ahead of you. I can't wait for next Friday morning because next Friday morning we're going to be looking at righteousness in the Psalms. Oh, are we going to have a good time in the Lord next Friday morning. Righteousness in the Psalms. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful portrait of, of Christ in the Psalms. Because when you say the word righteousness, if Jesus don't come to mind, you off track, honey. You are, there is no righteousness without Him. Absolutely none. There's no declaration of righteousness for us. There's no fruit of righteousness. There's nothing. And when we say the word righteous, righteousness, if Jesus and what he did at Calvary doesn't come to mind, what does come to mind is wrong and deceitful. Romans 1, 16 and 17. We'll try to make it through this. Y'all holding me up for Dean up here doing that. Uh, We've got folks in the studio every, every Friday morning. If you live anywhere near Atlanta, Queen City, don't worry. We're not going to call your pastor and tell him you showed up for our Bible study. We're not trying to get you in Crossway Church. We're trying to get you in the Word to be... Come and have a great time in the Lord. Bring your coffee, pad of paper, and pencil, and Bible. Let's learn the Word of God. When we're done, we turn the camera off, and we allow people to make comments, questions, and those who bring a baseball bat, they take a swing or two every once in a while. But we still love each other, and we make it through it. Amen? So come and be a part of this. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Paul the Apostle, by the Spirit of God, says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because... It is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Because therein, talking about the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, which proves it's more than just an entrance. Because, listen, it's, it's not just by faith, it's from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Not just get life, but live from faith that got you saved and made righteous to faith that allows you to continue to bear forth the fruits of righteousness. Listen, the gospel is the only place wherein the righteousness of God is revealed. Talking about the sacrifice of Christ. But it's only revealed to those who have Faith in that sacrifice to faith in that sacrifice. And here's a better way to put it. From faith in God's Word in the context of the sacrifice to faith in God's Word in the context of the sacrifice to faith in the context of the Word in the context of the sacrifice. Listen, when we move from the context of the sacrifice, we move... When we move from faith, I'll get it right in a minute. When we move from faith in the sacrifice, we move from the context of the word that's proper and we're no longer going from faith to faith. When the gospel is removed, <clears throat> and remember, it takes righteousness to go, a revealing of righteousness to go from faith 
to faith. This is where we've missed it as preachers and Christians. We've gotten people saved, but we've not known the way of sanctification. And so after they're saved, we've not been able to help them because we've pointed them to books and programs and do these things and do those things. And instead of just tomorrow when you wake up, it's still faith in the righteousness of God. What Christ did as the righteous work for you there, we go the just live from faith to faith and this is why that the path of the just God has promised in Proverbs 4.18 will shine more and more until the perfect day it's only the path of the just is, that's the place you find the light getting brighter God ain't shining no light brighter on nothing else <clears throat> except the path of the just and the path of the just the only people who are experiencing the race to run on the path of the just are those who are going from faith to faith in God's Word in the context through which righteousness comes being the gospel. Now we just read Proverbs 12 and 17 that says, He that speaks truth shows forth righteousness. But here we see it's the gospel wherein righteousness is found. So see, you cannot separate the gospel from the truth. Jesus said, I'm the truth. He is the new covenant. He is the good gospel. Jesus is the good news of God. His son. You cannot separate truth from the gospel. That's why God, every word I've ever spoken is in righteousness. It must be seen through the sacrifice or faith cannot come. Think about that. Preachers who don't want to point to Calvary for every provision, for everything God has offered man. Preachers who don't want to point to the sacrifice of Christ but point you to what you have to do. They are out of context. They are denying the grace of God. And what's going on in their life is a world of deceit and make-believe, psychological, legalistic wisdom of men. It's scary because that's where 90-something percent of the church is. I'm talking about people, even the people who want to serve God, who want to live for God. They cannot do it if they don't know their faith must remain in Christ. Again, you do not have to be able to get up and theologically explain and bring scriptures in from every direction, but you need to be able to. You need to be able to. You don't have, all you have to do is know that I can't move my faith from the cross if you know that and you fight the good fight of faith, which is to keep your faith in that, that allows grace, that allows righteousness to keep coming and you bearing that fruit, it don't matter what you know. You, listen, you could be locked up in a dungeon overseas underground somewhere and all you know is that Jesus loved me so much he gave his life for me and that's where my faith is. That's it. But you and I are told to study the Word of God if you do have a Bible. See, don't use the excuse, well, you know, the thief on the cross didn't have a Bible and the people in the early church didn't have a Bible. Don't worry about what they didn't have. God says you do and to whom much is given, much is required. My goodness, this will make you happy. But you know what? It will make you think too. It'll make you think. And, and don't ever get mad because you've thrown away and you've had wrong thinking. Just begin to praise God that He's teaching you what is proper. He's teaching you the right avenue, the, the rightness of the narrow way. Amen. Uh, again, I told the Lord some three or four years ago, might have been four or five by now, I said, Lord, this way is getting more and more narrow. And He said, no, Curtis. You're just now seeing how narrow it's always been. It's not getting more narrow. God's just revealing to us how narrow it's always been. And it's not so narrow that God wants to exclude everybody. He doesn't. He wants to save everybody. But it is a narrow way. Jesus taught there's going to be very few that are willing to not be stout-hearted and to accept my one and only way of Christ, my Son, and His sacrificial work that can find the narrow way. Again, it's all about Jesus. It's not about preachers. It's not about ministries. Although we all need a preacher, we all need a ministry. It's about Jesus. He is our Lord of righteousness. We're out of time. I can't believe it's already been an hour. I hope you'd go back and listen to all these teachings. Again, they're at 
Curtis Hutchinson 316 on YouTube and the website thecrosswaychurch.com. If you're anywhere near Queen City, Atlanta, Texarkana, Texas, uh, make sure you join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., Wednesday nights at 6.40 p.m. We have children's church, we have a nursery, and we just got a great bunch of folks who know the truth, who are learning the truth, and learning to love the truth so that we can love God and love each other more and more as the day comes near us leaving here. Amen. Amen. Until next time, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. God bless you. We love you.